Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp, and Bob has returned from a wild outdoor adventure in the the mighty rivers of Tennessee. I did, man. I, I went to, and maybe we'll be able to talk about what I was doing in Tennessee, but the guy I was meeting with, a uh, sharp, sharp guy, and uh, so he asked me before he, I came down, he said, do you want to golf or shoot clay pigeons? Well, we've already covered that you don't golf. I don't, not even mini golf. So I'm like, clay pigeons, bro. Like every Thanksgiving, uh, we go out to my wife's aunt's house and uh, there'll be tons of us out there, man. And we are like shooting clay pigeons like crazy. It's a lot of fun. So I do it one, at least once a year, have a lot of fun. So we roll down into this little nook and uh, kind of an hour away from Nashville. And uh, we pass this little town called Bell Buckle, Tennessee, where contemporary Christian artist Russ Taft. Have you ever heard of Russ Taft, Jimbo? Yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. So anyway, got him Russ Daff. He lives there and he gives private concerts on his front lawn. So we, we passed Bell Buckle. And so I'm telling him all about that. Well, anyway, we round this this band to go down this little uh, gravel road to a beautiful two cabin complex. And uh, the river's looking really good. It's up. And he says, hey, how about we float the river instead? And I'm like, okay. Now, I don't have my Chacos. I don't have shorts. I'm in jeans. I'm in my replant boot camp boots. But I roll roll anyway. Well, we get, we get started. And Jimbo, can I just say, I'm not the most balanced person like on paddle boards and skateboards and things like that. I have a real high center of gravity. Okay. I think I see where this is going. Yeah. We get into the, we get into the canoe, which is not supposed to be flippable. It's kind of one of those um, ones that you might see like at Academy or somewhere where it's got like a water system in the ballast and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, the, it's been raining, the river's up and Jimbo, we hit a branch and uh, man, in I went barefoot jeans, had a replant shirt on, had my Sin Network flat bill hat on and my sunglasses, lost my flat bill, sunglasses were crooked on my head. I came up spewing water because I took some in <laughs> and uh, Jimbo, I'm just glad to be alive. Man, I'm impressed that you flipped an unflippable canoe. That's a uh, that's a high achievement. I can do those things because I just have no balance. <laughs> I think it's because I was Baptist growing up, and my mom didn't allow me to dance. I, I'm I'm going to blame that. Let's just see that. Okay. All right. All right. We'll go with that. <laughs> Well, speaking of balance and ability to control your body, uh, we're going to continue into the Leadership Judo series uh, that we started last week. Fortunately, Bob, Leadership Judo does not require a physical ability to balance, although it may require a relational ability to balance. see what you did there. Yep, I've got that. Yeah, you you may you may flip the canoe, but I think you you've got the leadership chops to do some good leadership judo. Well, thanks, Jimbo. I'll uh, I'll take that compliment and I receive that. Thank you, brother. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite uh, leadership isms or sayings that I've heard involves a canoe. If the bullet there's a there's a, a talking about cannons and shoot, shooting a big shot, right? And I've heard, I don't know what the original source of this is. So listeners, I'd love to hear it from you, what the original source is, but you can only shoot a cannon from a canoe once. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> that is some wisdom right there. You can only shoot a canoe, a cannon from a canoe once. All right. So last week we introduced the idea of leadership judo and verbal judo from the great Jerry B. Jenkins. And we're going to carry on that uh, idea. What we said, the framework that we're doing this with is is with the leadership styles presented to us by Les McEwen in his book, Predictable Success. I'm going to quote mostly, not from Predictable Success, but from a follow-up book, which I recommend called The Synergist, which really takes these leadership styles and goes uh, a lot deeper into detail on those. And functionally, what we're talking about is taking somebody's energy. And what I like about the the leadership styles that Les presents to us is it's going to talk to you about what what's the really good stuff about that sort of leadership style, right? But then also every all of the leadership styles have a little bit of an extreme and in a way that we have to kind of adjust and think through those things. Through this series, we're going to take one leadership style at a time. We'll have a link where you can take the leadership style quiz for free and other people on your team that you're leading, volunteers could, could take it. I'll tell you, I did a volunteer development day at our church and had every single volunteer take the free leadership style quiz. And we talked through those and it brought a lot of great awareness for us. And so I recommend that the survey doesn't cost you anything. It'll only, it's going to sign you up for Les's emails, but that's not a bad thing. No. As you look through that, that's going to give you greater insight into what these styles are, but we're going to start out with visionary. So it's visionary operator processor synergist. That's the order that we'll go in. So leading uh, a visionary. I, here's what I say is Bob, I don't know if there's a harder leadership style to try to lead than visionary it's visionaries want to be in charge and so it's hard to lead them sometimes absolutely and depending on the age of the visionary and the wisdom the self-awareness and all those it's going to present you with different challenges the seasoned visionary will likely have learned a lot of things about themselves the the early career visionary or the extremely passionate visionary is going to present to you a greater challenge so I think in all of the leadership styles, you, you've you hit this on the, the head, Jimbo. Man, this is a challenging style, but it's also a fun style to be around because a visionary brings a lot of energy. And let's say if they have 100 ideas, maybe two or three of them are going to be really, really awesome. <laughs> this is true. It's the law of averages. Yeah. If you put out enough ideas out there, eventually you're going to land on a good one. Absolutely. And if, if baseball players, good baseball players – average 300, right? And, you know, that, that's a great hitter. Let's say that about a visionary. They're going to have three three ideas that are really going to hit out of 100, and you'll be excited about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about some ways to leadership judo to kind of use the energy to understand the unique makeup of a visionary as you're leading them from whatever position that is, right? That's uh, leadership goes a lot of different directions. This doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be the the guy in charge, the person in charge to, to apply this, but just as you work with and associate with a visionary on any sort of team, especially in ministry, as we apply this, some ways to think about that. I'd say the first one, Bob, is to hear them out. Yeah. And what I mean by hear them out is, is give them time. Visionaries are verbal processors. They They think out loud. And so what that means is when they begin talking, you're not receiving a fully thought out thing. You're you're literally getting insight into their brain and their thinking process. And so they may start one direction and land, 
what seems like a completely contradictory direction. Mm-hmm. And that's not, it's not that they are contradicting themselves, it's that they're literally processing it right there in front of you. And so the key, I think, when I say hear them out is, is don't take the first thing they say and try to poke arguments into it or poke, like, just let them keep talking and give them time, plan, plan a little more time and just let them talk. And as they continue to talk, they're going to land a lot closer to what their actual idea is than where they begin. And so you need to give them that time. Giving somebody an opportunity who's a verbal processor to expose their thought and not be threatened by that can be a little challenging if you're of a different leadership style. I was with the the guy I was with um, in Nashville. One of the things he said is I, I often ask people when they're talking to me and sharing with me, I say, tell me more. Right. And so that's a great question. Hey, okay, what else? Tell me more. And oftentimes I've seen a real visionary person really come to the the understanding that maybe their initial thought was not such a great idea. And I've even heard them talk themselves out of their own idea that they proposed with great passion after they've spoken for a while. And they're going to say it with such passion and energy. You're going to be convinced that they they've done tons of research and they're just convinced that this is the perfect idea, but that's just the way they communicate. (laughs) And so you gotta, you gotta give them time to talk themselves in or out of whatever idea it is that they're processing. And I would say one of the other things you can do is ask them, ask them to put it down in writing for you. Mm -hmm. This is going to be annoying to them. They don't, they're not going to want to do this, but it's going to be a helpful process for everyone involved if, if they can do it, right? So here's some ways that I think it helps if you ask them to put it, if you can convince them to put it down in writing. One, it'll make them clarify their thoughts a little more because they're going to type it out and they're going to go, that ah, doesn't communicate what I'm trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. And they're going to wrestle with how it words. And, and they might not even, they might make like the most amazing looking one page PDF document with designs and, and stuff. When you were just looking for a bullet point email, But that process is going to help them clarify what they're trying to do rather than just wing it. But I think it also gives you a reference point to their words in writing if they deviate from this, like visionaries are are, have have a tendency to do. But it also the third thing I would think it helps when they haven't put it in writing is it can weed out things that are just impulses. Yeah, if they if they don't care enough, if they're not passionate enough about it to actually summarize it, put it down in writing, then they'll probably forget about it and they'll move on and you don't even have to worry about it anymore. This is one of my favorite judo moves. And if any of our teammates are listening to me and in this podcast, know I'm giving, I'm betraying a secret, a trade secret of my role of leading the uh, replant team. I will say to somebody, that's a great idea. Can you create a one page for me and send it to me? And what I mean by that is just what you've said. Put it down to bullet points, what you want to accomplish, and send it to me. And most of the time, I never get it. Now, here's the ultimate judo master. I'm going to give you Mr. Miyagi. Now, I know he's karate. He's not judo. But whoever the judo guy is that equates to Mr. Miyagi, here's here's the ultimate sensei move. Never ask for the one-pager again. <laughs> Just don't ask for it. <laughs> don't bring it up again. Yeah. If they're passionate about it, they're going to bring it to you. But don't ask about it again, unless it's an assignment for somebody, unless, you know, you have to have that document. If it's purely in the realm of vision, don't ask for it again. Like just, you got enough work to do. 
The system's moving forward. You're working on your goals and objectives. Let them bring it back if it's important to them. Yeah, and if, listen, if you're if you're listening to this as a pastor of a smaller church and the visionary coming to you is a lay person and they're wanting to drop this on your plate and they're saying, yes. here's this big, huge <laughs> idea I have that I think you need to do, pastor. Uh, man, you got to do some leadership judo at this moment and put the ball in their court. Yeah. And that's, listen, that's not... That's not just leadership judo. That I mean, that's biblical. Back to our kind of theme passage out of Ephesians chapter four of equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. This is this is saying, okay, if if this is a passion you have, if if this is a God given vision, then then execute, man. Let me help you. Let's put together a team, put together a plan, and let's figure that out. I, I know a guy who will always reply to that with a church member. He'll say, see if you can go get five people who are just as excited about this as you are, and and let's put a team together so we can think through it. Uh, and that's another way to kind of judo that in the moment. Uh, and what that is, is it's not saying no, and it's not some manipulative way of trying to say no. It's, it's, it's honestly a way with a visionary of figuring out are, are you going to stick with this? Like, is this mm-hmm. is this just a random idea that you're going to forget by Tuesday? Or is this something you're going to actually land on that God's given you? And God's and if God's given it to you, then God's probably put some other people in our church that also are passionate about that, that are going to want to help you do that. Yeah, great idea. I, one last thing before we move on. I, I think the burden of clarity belongs on them, not on you as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm kind of 50-50 on this point because the operator in me is tasked often with helping a visionary take their vision and make it reality, right? And so I'm not talking about if that's your role, if, if that's your responsibility, that's your vocation, then then go for it. But if you, if you are tasked not only with receiving the vision and the one-page document, but also making sense of it, the vision is not clear enough right there and there, especially as you put it in the context of the church, right? And it's got to be clear. So that's one thing I just add in, in this. That's another good, maybe this kind of a, a, not a master move, but it's like I'm on the way to becoming a judo master move. The clarity goes back on the person with the vision. Yeah, absolutely. You can help them provide that clarity, but you, they've got to they've got to own it. The next thing after hear them out, I would say is, and this is part of the verbal judo that we discussed last week, where one of the five principles from that was people prefer to be asked than told. I mean, this is particularly true with visionary leadership style. I mean, it's just vitally important. In the book, The Synergist, Les McEwen says this. He says, visionaries are notoriously bad at readily accepting other people's ideas, however good they are, without fiddling with them in some way. It's almost as if they can't bring themselves to fully adopt an idea or suggestion unless they can get a smear of their own DNA on it. And so... (laughs) There is this need for visionaries of ownership. You you could pre, you could present the greatest plan in the world to a visionary, and they're going to need to tweak it. Because and but here's the deal: the here's the judo move, right? Anticipate that and be okay with it, mm-hmm. and present it to them unfinished, and 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 let let them have some say in it. Again, this is not manipulation. Like God's designed them with good insight and intuition. That's part of this leadership style. And so 
let them speak into it. Let them tweak it a little bit. Because when a visionary owns something and they feel they have ownership, and not complete ownership, but just some influence and ownership in it, then their their passion is going to drive their work ethic to to really pour into what they're doing. But there is this compulsive need to kind of put their own DNA on anything that you put in their hand. Absolutely. So the, the rub then for us is is a visionary either, either has to be 100% accurate and spot on with almost every detail all the time, or they have to be able to listen to those whom God placed, has placed around them to help shape that initial spark of a vision into something that's really beneficial. So I think some key questions in terms of asking are something like, if you have an idea, you see this vision and, and you're concerned about it, you say, what would it look like for us to implement implement this fully in the next six months, right? Put that back on the visionary to say, okay, let's imagine we do this. What, what's it going to look like, right? What resources do you think we might need? Or how does this fit in with the overall p- picture and, and the, our key objectives, the things that we've looked at right now? Or who do we need to task with, you know, sketching this out to maybe give it a fully developed implementation plan, right? Who could do that for us? Those are a number of questions that you might ask in, in thinking about how to help ask that question with a visionary or to a visionary so they see that their vision, as great as it may be, will cost something to implement. And that's that's the thing I think is hard for a visionary is they just see the fruit of what could be and they don't realize the cost of making that vision happen. So I think it's important to help them clarify the questions rather than saying, like, yeah, that ain't going to work because we don't have enough bandwidth or resources. <laughs> then you, then the visionaries lost respect for you and they're not going to talk to you anymore, right? So you got to be careful with the questions you ask to help them to think together with them about the full ramifications of implementing that vision. And, and I think that's probably, if you can approach it that way, think with them. How can I think with them? That will really be helpful in, in for the whole organization or the church or, or wherever, wherever environment that you're dealing with a visionary in. When you talk about the way that you respond to that, so most visionaries are kind of eternal optimists and always believe there's a way. And so when you give a flat out rejection, any kind of hyper negativity or hypercritical response is 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 the visionary is gonna have kind of a foreign tissue rejection to that. And and if it happens too many times from the same person, they may end up having a foreign tissue rejection to that person. <laughs> yeah. And so here that leads to the next point of be flexible and have fun. And here's what here's what I've learned is if you can be flexible, they're gonna want change. Man, visionaries thrive on adaptation, they thrive on change, they thrive on things moving, they don't want redundancy, but also they like for things to be fun and exciting. And so if you've got to work through uh, a really really get down the details and work through some stuff that the visionary is probably not going to want to sit and, and talk with you about. And you're trying to think through some things. Some some church member has brought you this huge plan and they're a visionary person. They're a lay leader. And they say, we've got to do this big idea and we got to do this whole thing. Right. And you really need to sit down and have a conversation with them that where we get into the details, I mean, let them pick the venue. And I mean, be prepared. It's not going to be in your office. It's going to be in a coffee shop or uh, a restaurant. 
But what's cool is it's probably going to be one you've never even heard of. And yeah. they're going to take you somewhere fun. And it's going to be, and they're going to want to have fun in that process. And they're going to be excited about, man, the coffee here or the the whatever. Let me tell you the story of this restaurant. And, and they're going to go into that and let them do that. Let them have fun in that process. And then you could get them into the details of things. If you, if you They'll thrive if they don't feel like it's monotony. Mm-hmm. But when things start to feel monotonous, they can easily lose attention pretty quickly. A visionary really kind of needs a, what you might call, I think I've heard you describe it this way. They need a sandbox project, right? Mm-hmm. They need some kind of play area where they can always be creating and doing something new. They need a little side project, a little side hustle. And oftentimes you'll see a visionary, if they're stymied in their work environment or the church environment, they'll go do that outside of of the place that's limiting them. Right. So just know that a visionary is going to want to have a vision and then do their best to see that vision become reality. And so providing them a small place, maybe a safe place with, with which to do that Mm -hmm. is a good thing or just dreaming with them to say, and here's the, I think the valuable part about a visionary, they see where you are and they see where you need to go. Right. Most of the time, that's what a visionary sees. They see reality where you are, see where you need to go, or they see the reality of something that is and see, man, if if we could do this, it'd be so much better. And so I think tapping into that for some improvement in the church or in your organization, or just giving them free reign in in a side project just to run free and develop some things that won't necessarily impinge upon what you guys have already shared, what you already have agreed to do together. I think is good. So, you know, you guys are heading down the road. Visionary wants to disrupt that because they're bored with the monotony. Man, give them a, give them a project that's going to be in an offline or safe place or maybe some kind of place where you want to expand and, and let them run loose. Yeah, and here's what I'd say is think about that in two different ways as a pastor. If we're talking about a staff member that has a, whatever pay level, part-time or whatever, and they've got responsibilities at the church that by necessity will become monotonous, because they need to be, they need to be repeated the same way over and over and over again, then make sure that you come up with little sandbox ways that they can maybe step outside of the church and do things and be okay with that. If, if they're your part-time guy for in, in some staff position, but they're like starting some side business, don't see that as a threat. That, that's actually probably a very good thing and it lets them flex those creativity muscles more there than maybe they need to in a staff position. If we're not talking about a staff person, we're talking about a lay volunteer and they've got another job that they do, then figure out what what could a sandbox be for them that serves your church, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's, so if they've got this other 40 hour a week, 50, 60 hour a week job, and they're looking for a sandbox, maybe that's your children's ministry. Maybe that's your neighborhood outreach. Maybe that's right. There, there are lots of things. Maybe it's your men's ministry. I mean, find that visionary that is a, is is really good at that, but they're just digging into monotony at work, and let them let them play in the sandbox there at church. Now, build boundaries and figure out and be clear about expectations. Have it written down what you expect, uh, and then if you do that, here's what I would say: is check in regularly. Visionaries, depending on their secondary leadership style require a little more accountability than their operator and processor partners, right? And the reason is they do what Les McEwen calls hyperlink. And so they'll start one area. You ever been researching something and you find a blog and and then it hyperlinks some other blog and then you you click that and then and then you're reading that article and then you click a link in that to another article. And next thing you know, you're reading stuff about 
I mean, it has nothing to do with what you originally were looking to, to read. Well, visionaries do this in life. Yes. They, they start with one thing and then they go, oh, that makes me think about this. And then they, they start doing that. And they go, oh, but that could do this. So if they're a lay person or a staff person and they're in there, just just check in regularly. Now, check-ins don't have to be formal. It's probably best if they're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it check-in with the visionary could be, hey, let's go grab coffee real quick and go grab coffee, go grab lunch, go whatever, or just go sit in their office, go go to their office and pop in. More than other leadership styles, visionaries love that. Don't do that with a processor. We're going to get to processors later, but don't just <laughs> drop it on a processor. They're not going to appreciate that. But a visionary is going to love it. They, they're going to love that pop-in, check-in. And I think that's a helpful way as you do that. Just think about do they need an outlet from the service they have at church or can the service that they're doing at our church be a little bit of their sandbox outlet? Love it, man. I, I think the informal check-in with a visionary is super, super key. And working with a lot of visionaries, I think the the thing that is true is they need accountability and structure because they typically don't have it. And you've got to find the balance between um, the right accountability and the right structure that's going to help them continue to pursue the project with passion, Right. And so that's that's going to be different for every person, and you need to find that balance. And sometimes you're going to hit hit it really well. Sometimes you're going to miss it. But if you consistently miss it, you're going to squelch a visionary, and they're going to give up on the project, and or they're going to just do the bare minimum, and you're not going to get the maximum impact out of them. So it's a delicate leadership judo balance that you have to learn how to how to discern. And Jimbo, one of the things that I, I think happens a lot, and I see this, is extremely High visionary people who just live in vision land can really frustrate staff members and employees and board members and all of the people that are around, even their families, right? Because there's such visionary folks that it's just like, man, if we tried to do all of the things that you're suggesting, we would end up being broke and exhausted. And they love the enthusiasm. So oftentimes, a visionary needs to learn how to judo themselves. And so, one of the things that we yeah. put in this podcast as a as a special link for just visionaries to click that talks about what they need to know in terms of practicing leadership judo on themselves. We talk a lot about self-awareness in the podcast. And so I just want to encourage you, if you believe you're a visionary, if you think you're a visionary of some of the things we've described now, click on this link. And we're going to talk about in a separate section of this podcast, a bonus feature, if you will, Jimbo, extra content. We're going to talk about how visionaries can judo themselves. So I encourage you guys to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Do they have to have like a Patreon? Do they have to give us money? Or No, but this, we'll, we'll accept any, If they want to send us gift cards or, you know, <laughs> anything like that, we'll accept it. So I'm not going to be shy. There we go. All right. Yeah. So check out the bonus link in the show notes for how to judo yourself. If you are a visionary, if you are a visionary, check in next week and we'll be talking about uh, leadership judo with operators. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.